Chapter Three of Trails End. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jeff Chestnut. Trails End by George W. Ogden. Chapter Three First Blood judge thayer had completed the round of ascalon's business section with the town's new peace officer introducing him in due form they stood now in front of the hotel the plank awning of which extended over the sidewalk breaking the sun judge thayer about to go his way we've got to change this condition of things seth he said sweeping his hand around the quiet square where nothing seemed awake but a few loafers along the shady fronts we've got to make it a day town instead of a night roost for the buzzards that wake up after sundown seth did not answer he stood turning his red eyes up and down the street as if calculating distances and advantages for future emergencies and as he looked there came driving into the somnolent square two men on a wagon load of bones old joe lynch he's loading another car of bones judge thayer said he used to pick up meat for me said seth in his sententious way neither surprised nor pleased on finding this associate of his adventurous days here in this place of his new beginning joe lynch drove across the farther side of the square a block away from the two officials of ascalon there he stopped only long enough to allow his passenger to alight and continued on to the railroad siding where his car stood judge thayer lingered under the hotel awning where the breeze struck refreshingly perhaps making a pretense of being cooled that was greater than his necessity curious to see who it was lynch had brought to town on his melancholy load the passenger carrying his flat bag came on toward the hotel he's a stranger to me said the judge his interest ending there he went his way to take up again the preparation of his case in defense of the cattle thief whom he knew to be a thief and nothing but a thief seth craddock the new marshal glanced sharply at the stranger as he approached the hotel it was nothing more severe than seth's ordinary scrutiny but it appeared to the traveler to be at once hostile and inhospitable the look of a man who sneered out of his heart and carried a challenge in his eyes the stranger made the mental observation that this citizen was a sour-looking customer who apparently resented the coming of one more to the mills of ascalon's obscene gods there was a cluster of flies on the open page of the hotel register where somebody had put down a sticky piece of chocolate candy and left it this choice confection covered three or four lines immediately below the last arrival's name its little trickling rivulets which the flies were licking up spreading like a spider's legs there was nobody in the office to receive the traveller's application for quarters but evidence of somebody in the remote parts of the house whence came the sound of a voice more penetrating than musical raised in song 
with her apron pin round her he took her for a swan but oh and alas it was poor polly bon so she sang the words of the ancient ballad cutting through the partition like a saw there was a nasal quality in them as if the singer were moved to tears by the pathos of poor polly's end the traveller laid a finger on the little bell that stood on the cigar case sending his alarm through the house the song ceased the blue door with dining-room in pink across its panels shut against the flies opened with a sudden jerk as if by a petulant hand there appeared one who might have been polly bon herself taken by the white apron that shrouded her figure from shoulders to floor she stood a moment in the door seeing that it was a stranger half closing that gay portal to step behind it and give her hair that swift little adjustment which with women the world over is the most essential part of the toilette she appeared smiling then somewhat abashed and coy a fair short girl with a nice figure and pretty sophisticated face auburn curls dangling long at her ears a precise row of bangs coming down to her eyebrows she was a pink and white little lady quick on foot quicker of the blue eyes which measured the waiting guest from dusty feet to dusty hat in the glance that flashed over him in business-like brevity was you wishing a room she inquired if you can accommodate me register she said in a voice of command whirling the book about at the same time she discovered the forgotten confection which she removed to the top of the cigar case with an annoyed ejaculation under her breath that sounded rather strong she applied her apron to the page not helping it much spreading the brown paste rather than removing it you'll have to skip three or four lines mister unless you've got a delible pencil no i haven't i'll write down here where it's dry and there the traveller wrote the girl looking on sharply spelling the letters with silently moving lips as the pen trailed them calvin morgan des moines iowa in and out or regular the girl asked twisting the book around to verify the upside-down spelling of his name i expect it will be only for a few days morgan replied smiling a little at the pert sufficiency of the clerk it's a dollar a day for room and board in advance in this man's town why in this man's town any more than any other man's town the guest inquired amused what would you think of a man that would run up a three weeks bill and then walk out there and let somebody pull a bullet through him she returned by way of answer i think it would be a mean way to beat a board bill he told her seriously do they do that right along here one smarty from texas done it three or four months ago since then it's cash in advance morgan thought it was a very wise regulation for a town where perils were said to be so thick all in keeping with the notoriety of ascalon he made inquiry about something to eat the girl's face sat in disfavoring cast as she tossed her head haughtily dinner's over long ago she said 
Morgan made amends for this unwitting breach of the rules, wondering what there was in the air of Ascalon that made people combative. Even this fresh-faced girl, not twenty, he was sure, was resentful, snappish without cause, inclined to quarrel if a word got crosswise in a man's mouth. As he turned these things in mind, casting about for some place to stow his bag, the girl smiled across at him, the mockery going out of her bright eyes. Perhaps it was because she felt that she had defended the ancient right of hostelers to rise in dignified front when a traveler spoke of a meal out of the regular hour. Perhaps because there was a gentleness and sincerity in the tall, honest-looking man before her that reached her with an appeal lacking in those who commonly came and went before her counter. "'Put your grip over there,' she nodded. "'And I'll see what I can find, if you don't mind a snack.' she hesitated anything a slab of cold meat and a cup of coffee i'll call you she said starting for the blue door the girl had reached the dining-room door when there entered from the street a man lurching when he walked as if the earth tipped under him like the deck of a ship he was a young and slender man dressed rather loudly in black sateen shirt and scarlet necktie with broad blue tassel-ornamented sleeve-holders about his arms. He wore neither coat nor vest, but was belted with a pistol and booted and spurred, his calling of cowboy impressed in every line. The girl paused, hand on the door, waiting to see what he wanted, and turned back when he rested his arms on the cigar-case, clicking the glass with a coin. While she was making change for him, the cowboy stood with his newly bought cigar in his mouth, scanning the register. He seemed sober enough when standing still, save for the vacant, liquor-dead look of his eyes. "'Who wrote that?' he asked, pointing to Morgan's name. "'That gentleman,' the girl replied, placing his change before him. The cowboy picked up his money with numb fingers, fumbled to put it in his pocket, dropping it on the floor. He kicked at it with a curse and let it lie, scowling meantime at Morgan with angry eyes. "'Too good to write your name next to mine, are you?' he sneered. "'Afraid it'd touch your fancy little handwriting, was you?' "'I didn't know it was your name, partner,' Morgan returned, conciliating him as he would an irresponsible child. Why, I'd walk a mile to write my name next to yours any day. There was something on the book. You spit on it! You spit on my name! The foolish fellow charged, laying hand to his pistol. A man that's too good to write his name next to mine's too good to stay in the same house with me. You'll hit the breeze out of here, partner, or you'll swaller lead. The girl came swiftly from behind the counter and ran lightly to the door. Morgan put up his hand to silence the young man, knowing well that he could catch his slow arm before he could drag his gun two inches from the holster. "'Keep your gun where it is, old feller,' he suggested, rather than warned, in good-natured tone. "'I didn't mean any insult, but I'll take my hat off and apologize to you if you want me to. There was a piece of candy on the book right—' "'I'll put a piece of hot iron in your guts!' the cowboy threatened. 
he leaned over the register hand still on his pistol and tore out the offending page crumpling it into a ball you'll eat this then you'll hit the road back where you come from the girl was beckoning to somebody from the door morgan was more annoyed and shamed by his part in this foolish scene than he was disturbed by any feeling of danger he stood watching the young man's shooting arm there was not more than five feet between them a step a sharp clip on the jaw and the young fool would be helpless morgan was setting himself to act for the cowboy whose face was warrant that he was a simple harmless fellow when sober was dragging on his gun when one came hastening in past the girl this was a no less important person than the new city marshal whom morgan had seen without knowing his official standing as he arrived at the hotel this man's raising a fuss here he's tore the register look what he's done tore the register the indignant girl charged you're arrested said the marshal come on the cowboy stood mouthing his cigar a weak look of scorn and derision in his flushed face his right hand was still on his pistol the wadded page of the register in the other you'd better take his gun morgan suggested to the marshal he's so drunk he might hurt himself with it seth craddock fixed morgan a moment with his sullen red eyes in which the sneer of his heart seemed to speak but his lips added nothing to the insult of that disdainful look he jerked his head toward the door in command to his prisoner to march come out i'll fight both of you the cowboy challenged making for the door he was squarely in it one foot lifted in his drunken balancing to step down when seth craddock jerked out his pistol between the lifting and falling of that unsteady foot and shot the retreating man in the back the cowboy pitched forward into the street where he lay stretched and motionless one spurred foot still in the door morgan sprang forward with an exclamation of shocked protest at this unjustified slaughter while the girl her blue eyes wide in horror shrunk against the counter hands pressed to her cheeks a cry of outraged pity ringing from her lips resist an officer will you said the city marshal as he strode forward and looked down on the first victim in ascalon of the woeful harvest his pistol was to reap so saying as if publishing his justification he sheathed his weapon and walked out as little moved as if he had shot the bottom out of a tomato can in practice among friends a woman came hastening from the back of the house with dough on her hands a worn-faced woman whose eyes were harried and afraid as if they had looked on violence until horror had set its seal upon them she exclaimed and questioned panting frantic holding her dough-clogged fingers wide as she bent to look at the slain man in her door it was the new marshal judge thayer was in here with just after dinner the girl explained the paint gone out of her pretty face the reflection of her mother's horror in her eyes my god said the woman clutching her breast looking with a wilder terror into morgan's face oh i wish they'd take him away i wish they'd take him away the girl moaned cringing against the counter covering her face with her hands outside a crowd collected around the fallen man for common as death by violence was in the streets of ascalon 
the awe of its swift descent the hushing mystery of its silence fell as coldly over the hearts of men there as in the walks of peace presently the busy undertaker came with his black wagon to gather up this broken shape of what had been a man but a few minutes past the marshal did not trouble himself in the case further up the street morgan saw him sauntering along unmoved and unconcerned from all outward show as if this might have been just one incidental task in a busy day resentment rose in morgan as he watched the undertaker and his helper load the body into the wagon with unfeeling roughness as he saw the marshal go into the saloon with a crowd of noisy fellows from the stock pens who appeared to be applauding his deed this appeared to morgan simply murder in the name of the law that bragging simple whiskey-numbed cowboy could not have hurt a cat all desire for dinner was gone out of morgan's stomach all thought of preparing it from the girl's mind she stood in the door with her mother watching the black wagon away with this latest victim to be crushed in ascalon's infernal mill twisting her fingers in her apron her face as white as the flower on her mother's hand the undertaker's man came hurrying back with a bucket of water and broom the women turned away out of the door then while he briskly went to work washing up the dark little puddle that spread on the boards of the sidewalk dora where's your pa the elder woman asked stopping suddenly as she crossed the room her face drawn in a quick stroke of fear her hands lifted to ease the smothering in her breast again i don't know ma he ain't been around since dinner the woman went to the door again to lean and peer up and down the street with that great anxiety and trouble in her face that made it old and distorted the faint trace of lingering prettiness out of it as if it had been covered with ashes he's coming she said presently in a voice of immeasurable relief she turned away from the door without allowing her glance to fall directly on the wet spot left by the undertaker's man mother and daughter talked together in low words only a few of which now and then reached morgan as he stood near the counter where the mutilated register lay turning this melancholy event in his thoughts he recovered the torn crumpled page from the floor smoothed and replaced it in the book a man came in the woman turning with a quick glad lighting of the face to meet him oh tommy i was worried to death she said tom conboy proprietor of the elkhorn as the hotel was called grunted in discount of this anxiety as he turned his shifty eyes to the stranger flicking them on and off like a fly he saw the coins dropped by the cowboy picked them up put them in his pocket face red from what evidently was unaccustomed effort as he straightened his back you seem to be getting mighty flush with money around this joint he said severe censure in his tone he dropped it the man the marshal shot dropped it it was his the girl explained i wouldn't touch it she shuddered not for anything in the world huh said conboy easily undisturbed by the dead man's money in his pocket my god i wish he hadn't done it here the woman moaned i didn't think he'd shoot him or i wouldn't have called him the girl pleaded pity for the deed in her shocked voice he didn't need to do it 
He didn't have to do it at all. Shh! No niggers in Ireland now. No niggers in Ireland. Conboy shook his head at her as he spoke, pronouncing this rather amazing and altogether irrelevant declaration with the utmost gravity, an admonitory, cautioning inflection in his naturally grave and resonant voice. The girl said no more on the needless sacrifice of the young man's life. I was going to get this gentleman some dinner, she said. You'd better go on and do it, then, her father directed, gently enough for a man of his stamp. Rather surprisingly gentle indeed, Morgan thought. Tom Conboy was a short-statured man, slight, his carefully trimmed gray beard lending a look of serious wisdom to his face, which the shiftiness of his insincere eyes at once seemed to controvert. He wore neither coat nor vest, but a white shirt with broad starched bosom, a large gold button in its colorless neckband. A diamond stud flashed in the middle of his bosom, red elastic bands an inch broad with silver buckles held up the slack of the sleeves which otherwise would have enveloped his hands. "'Are you going to stay in the office a while now, Tommy, and look after things while Dora and I do the work?' the woman asked. I've got to get the jury together for the inquest, Conboy returned with the briskness of a man of importance. Will I be wanted to give my testimony at the inquest, do you suppose? Morgan inquired. I was here when it happened. I saw the whole thing. He spoke in the hope that he might be given the opportunity of relieving the indignation so strong in him that it was almost oppressive before the coroner's jury. Tom Conboy shook his head. No, the marshal's testimony is all we'll need, Conboy replied. Resistin' arrest and tryin' to escape after arrest. That's all there was to it. Those fellows'll have to learn better than that with this new man. I know him of old. He's a man that always brings in the meat. But he didn't try to escape, Morgan protested. He was so drunk he didn't know whether he was coming or going. Conboy looked at him disfavoringly, as if to warn him to be discreet in matters of such remote concern to him as this. "'Tut, tut! No niggers in Ireland,' said he, shaking his head with an expression between a caution and a threat. End of chapter 3 Recording by Jeff Chestnut